Nothing comes back. 
Let that be our prayer this morning, Lord, that you would open our heart, you would soften our heart, take out any stubborn, stony thing that hinders us from hearing you today. Would you give us a heart of flesh like your word says so that we can be responsive to you, obeying your word, Lord. Guide us and lead us into all truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just gonna take a few minutes to greet one another and say hi maybe to somebody you haven't seen. Um, and we're gonna get ready for the message. We'll see you in a minute. Good to see you on an August Sunday morning. So glad that you're here. Welcome all our people who are online. We're glad that you are here. And so Carrie and I wanted to come up and do a couple of announcements. We have a, a guest visitor with us today, everybody. So, so this is Asa, everybody. This is the newest grandson, eight months old. Can you tell everybody hi? Yeah, so he loves his grandma. I don't know if he's nervous or what, but he's just kind of chill. I'm going to preach he's not. He still hasn't learned how to say Papa. We're in a race. There's a race that's going on between him saying Grana first or Papa first. How many of you want him to say Papa first? I I don't even want to hear anything about Grana. Okay, everybody. We will say Grana first. They all do, but that's fine. Um, so, <laughs> let me give some announcements to you. Sorry for us being self-indulgent, but that's what grandparents do. Right. All the grandparents give me an amen. Amen. That was too weak. Come on. All the grandparents help me out here. That's what grandparents do. All right, so a couple things uh, that are really important that I want you to be aware of. Number one is next Sunday is our scheduled Next Steps meeting. So this is a gathering that happens in the ministry house just across the parking lot. It's for you. If you're new to the church, this is giving you an opportunity to get questions answered, to find out what God is saying to you 
You can find out things about church government. Any questions that you have doctrinally, we'll do our best to answer those. But it's really about you taking a look beyond just the foyer of the church, kind of peeking into ministries and then helping you make a decision if this is where God wants you to be, okay? The other thing that's going on is, brothers, come on, we got a men's retreat that's happening here in just a couple of weeks. And I want so bad to see this place packed out. We're gonna have the whole retreat center to ourselves. I'm going to kick it off on a Friday night. We have a lot of great ministry and a lot of good fellowship planned. Come let some men speak into your life. And, right. and, and, then, and then there's change another it. one. Okay, change, change over. Okay. All right, okay. something near and dear to my heart besides um, him. Uh, we have a Christmas musical coming up from the Seal Kids group. That's right. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know they do this up and they do it right. So excited about it. This year it's called Emmanuel. The auditions are July 27th here at the church. And it's for ages 8 through 19. So be sure to have your children here for the auditions. There's a QR code on this little handout. Uh, I, I'm presuming to sign it for auditions or more information. So uh, if your kids want something fun to do safe environment, really great material, please have them come and be a part of this. Even if you've got grandparents and you've got some grandkids that want to get involved, it'd be great, okay? July 27th, our auditions. Be sure to check that out. Yeah, you see the ages. Typically, we have done mostly younger kids and uh, elementary, you know. This year, we're going to give an opportunity for a lot of our middle school, high schoolers and older ages to do that. Okay, also, uh, if you're ready to give your offering, we'll put up the little graphic here where you can give to the Lord. And uh, there are lots of opportunities for you to give, things for you to invest in. And so we're thanking you also for being so obedient in your giving and so generous with everything. Uh, so God bless you for that, everybody. Thank you. See you, buddy. Love you. All right. Glory to God. So we're talking about hearing God. Let me give you a couple of verses. Do not despise prophecies. 1 Thessalonians 5.20. I want you all to speak in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14.5, but even more to prophesy. Welcome everybody to week three of hearing God the power of the prophetic. I want to talk to you about prophecy. I want to talk to you today about hearing God and speaking forth what God has spoken to you. What we're going to do today is I'm going to give you the basics of the gift of prophecy. I want to talk to you about the environment of the prophetic. And then I want to talk to you about how to give and to receive a prophetic word. This is really important, I think, for me as uh, the teacher of Christian life, for us to understand how to release the prophetic in the life of the church. Some of you may be new to the church right now and you're already thinking prophecy, tongues, oh boy. I didn't know this was that kind of a church. Well, it is. And I want you to understand a couple of things about the prophetic. Uh, one is that this was a major gift that was given, uniquely given to the church. And it was 
valued, is to be valued, and cherished by the early church and the modern day church. And it should be encouraged by us, everybody. It should be encouraged by us today. Now, before I teach on this, I'd love to just give you a little bit of background perspective uh, about my journey uh, as, a, as a believer in the world of um, um, Catholicism and uh, legalistic Pentecostalism and then charismatic mania and then trying to pastor a church and find real balance. So my experiences in the 40 plus years I've been a believer is, are, is really varied. And I, I, I feel like I, that I can talk from experience with you today. I want everybody just kind of to relax. And my hope is that you'll let me just pastor you through um, what is controversial in a lot of places, but also neglected a little bit too much. And... I want to talk about the future with Christian life and what God is saying to us. It was very strategic, I think prophetic even, that we went through the book of Acts this summer. And so the scripture tells us don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And for us to fulfill the mission that God has called us to do, then we want to use all the tools and the resources that are available to us. Even if people have used tools and resources in error or for the wrong reason, it doesn't mean you throw away all of your tools and resources because someone mishandled the tools and the resources. That would be foolish, wouldn't it, everybody? So it's my job to rightly divide the word and help us uh, to get into a, to have a practical flow of this. I believe that this uh, teaching that I'm giving today uh, is not just for today, but it will also be um, use as we are equipping people to hear God's voice and operate in the prophetic. So I, I want you to uh, be keen, be fully alert, and let's be a discerning to what God might have to say. I really would like for you to get rid of all of your old uh, biases and maybe even bad experiences that you have had with the prophetic or so-called prophetic. And I want you to embrace the teaching today. Is that a deal? Everybody say deal. All right, so let's, let's talk about it. When I was a new Christian, it just seemed so weird to me whenever I heard people say, God told me that. I mean, really strange to me. Anybody can relate to that? When I was a new Christian? I'm like, um, it, the way people use that so flippant, it was like God was walking around with them every day and about every... 15 minutes, they're having a conversation with an invisible guy. And God told me, God spoke to me. And, you know, God told me this. And it, it really got weird to me when I was a new believer, when it wasn't just that God told me this, but it was like God told me and he wants me to tell you. That takes the whole thing to a different level. Would you say amen to that? So God told you something to tell me, and I'm supposed to receive what you were told by God to tell me as though God is telling me. You're just the messenger to tell me this. What level of authority do you give to, to that? That can be really strange. 
especially for people who have grown up in, you know, mainstream doctrinal churches where they don't give any opportunity or application for that. And now you come in to a place where God is telling people things and he's telling them to share it with other people. You, you know, you know when, I was, when I was a Catholic young man, I, I was raised in, in a traditional Catholic home in South Louisiana like the majority of people that live in, in Louisiana are. Probably 75% of the people are cultural Catholics in Louisiana. So I was raised in that type of home. I don't have time to share our whole testimony because it's an, it is an amazing testimony of how God intervened with my family that was strung out in, in drugs and all kinds of alcohol abuse and through a, through a, a Pentecostal preacher on TV at 11.30 at night, God penetrated our household and my mom got saved first and then I did also. The neighbors invited us to their church after this experience, and it was a little country holiness church, Pentecostal oneness church, um, probably about 80 members or so, really small church. And um, I wasn't really sure what they stood for, but I knew what they were against. They, 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 they were no makeup. They were against that. Uh, no pants for the ladies, dresses only, no TV sets, no skating rinks. Skating was uh, too close, resembled uh, too closely to dancing, and there was no dancing. Um, and so all I knew was all the things that they were against, you know. But in our little church, there were times whenever the power of God would manifest and lives were being changed. It was so remarkable that I was having a hard time dealing with the conflict between the weirdness but the power of God in that setting. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody had any experience like that whatsoever? You, you're afraid to raise your hand. Some of you are just nodding. That's fine. And in that little church, the other thing that really freaked me out was there happened to almost always be on a Sunday morning two or three shout-out prophecies. Sometimes there was a shout-out message in tongues, and then there was a thus saith the Lord afterwards. As I mentioned before, I'm not sure why prophecies in that day, day and age seem to always come forth in the King James Version, but it usually did. And it was always with someone that was yelling and screaming in some frenzied voice that would scare, you know, the hell out of you, and you'd run to the altar to get saved. So maybe God was using it. I don't I don't know, but you know, th there were so many these and thou's and thus saith the Lord's, and, and typically also in my little church I got saved in, it was interesting that there were like two or three, it was particularly women that had the gift of prophecy or so they were respected as the ones that could do the shout outs. And if somebody else did a shout out prophecy, then almost everybody turned and looked like, who are you? Who gave you permission to do that? And the person was judged almost immediately. This, this has been some of your experience. This was my early years of, uh, in the Lord. One thing, though, through all of the confusion and the misunderstanding that I had 
I still had, I had this heart that was so hungry for God, but as a Catholic boy, I had never read the Bible. I was confused about the word. I was confused about the Bible, and I was confused about the legalistic code that I saw in the small holiness church that was there because there were things that they elevated as really dangerous sins, but then they placated or at least they tolerated other things like gossip, slander, and these things bothered me so much. And besides all their kids, when they'd come over to our house, they would just, they would just ask, the, they never wanted to play football or baseball or run the streets, you didn't do anything fun. They just wanted to watch TV because they couldn't have one at home, so they'd want to turn our, on our TV. And so I was confused about that, and I was conflicted by the free-for-all in the church setting where people, you know, w would interrupt worship or even interrupt the preaching or something like that. And I was confused, I was confused by that, uh, the flair of the dramatic. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, I, but I was so hungry for God that the religious extremes were really what confused me. The, the liturgical dead, what I considered dead worship um, or process of the Catholic Church with the frenzied free-for-all, really weird things of the little church that I was saved in. Please listen to me. They're great people in all of those churches. And I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just telling you about my experience and the journey that I have been on. So I decided, you know what? I don't know what the heck is going on with all this. I'm gonna go find out. So I found a Bible college and I went to a four-year school and I'm like, I'm gonna learn the Bible and I'm gonna learn about ministry and I'm gonna try to get myself equipped because I just wanna help people find Jesus the way I found Jesus. I want people to experience the reality of the power of God. So while I was in San Antonio and in, in Bible college that I went to, um, it was interesting that what was going on because this was in the mid to late 70s and the charismatic movement, which was an outpouring that was sweeping across the United States late 60s in the 70s was at a, an all-time high. It was kind of crazy because mainstream denominations are, are being, all of a sudden the power of God just manifesting in all of their, you know, systems and people are getting filled with the Spirit of God and people who were preaching against tongues are now speaking in tongues and healings are taking place and demons are manifesting. And all this was happening in the charismatic movement. If you were, if you were saved serving God in the 70s, you probably know exactly what I'm, ta I'm talking about. And so um, while I was in college learning about these things, my mom and dad, they had made a move into a different church. They started going to they kind of got tired of some of the strange things that were happening in that environment, and they ended up settling in my home church, which is Bethany World Prayer Center, which was originally Bethany Baptist Church. It was Bethany Baptist Church because the pastor was a Baptist, Southern Baptist pastor, but when he got filled with the Holy Spirit during the charismatic movement, God just exploded in the Baptist grouping of ministers that loved him and that he loved. They basically threatened him and, and, and forced him out. So he started a little church in his home that has grown from Baptist, Bethany Baptist Church that became a charismatic church and has grown to, I don't know, six or seven campuses with, I don't know, 15,000 people. I don't even know how many they are right now. 
and it has impacted the world. It went from Bethany Baptist Church that was criticized in Baker, Louisiana, to a world prayer center now that has planted churches all over the world and still planting churches. It is incredible what God has done in the last 60 years of that church's existence. I'm thankful to be a part of that ministry and, and to have a pastor that loves me and cares for me and help me bring balance into this. One of the things I noticed when I, when, I, when I was seeking God and I was in that charismatic environment at Bethany was how the power of God was showing up. And the power of God was manifesting through healings, primarily through healings, and also demonic deliverances. You, you never knew when all of a sudden a person would fall out, start growling like a dog, or writhing like a snake, and start throwing up, and a demon spirit would be relieved, being released. Now, that freaks you out, I know, some of you, but I'm just telling you, those days, those were the days. <laughs> also, I remember one of the most notable, there are so many healings and miracles that were happening in, in that congregation. One of them was a lady named Rita Bullock, who um, she was coming out of a denominational church, had an experience with the Holy Spirit through the charismatic movement, and she um, got diagnosed as uh, a life-threatening cancer. In fact, when she went to the doctor, they did exploratory surgery, opened her up her abdomen, and the cancer was so far gone, they didn't even suture her back up. They called the family in and said, she's not going to make it. Probably it's just days. Bethany began praying for her. That middle of the night, that night, she had a visitation by about six angels, is her testimony. One of them reached and touched her toe, and when they touched her toe, it knocked her out of the bed with the power of God. And the next morning when she came to, she just remembered being in the bed, completely healed of cancer from head to toe and so hungry. She hadn't eaten forever. When her surgeon came in, she said, God healed me last night and I want some red beans and rice and the nurses won't let me eat it. She got dismissed from that hospital. She got her medical record and she took it all over the place sharing her testimony because on the medical record it said that a, 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 a life-threatening uh, fatal malignancy healed unexplained miracle. I'm just saying to you that what the church needs now, I think more than anything else, is a revival of the power of God and the prophetic voice of God manifesting within our gatherings, whether they're small or large gatherings. So, not unlike almost everything that God does, flesh ruins it. And so I believe there are reasons why the charismatic renewal happened. I won't spend my time teaching on that, but I just do know that when God moves in a particular way, you have to allow God to do it and don't try to reproduce it in the flesh. And you don't have to keep something going because it was great. Let God do his thing. And so what we found with the charismatic movement is that in un 
enthusiastic, immature people would try to mimic manifestations. And some of them because they wanted the attention. And oftentimes prophetic voices or words that were given at Bethany, I, you know, I began to see also even in that setting, people would use it to manipulate others by God told me to tell you. Listen to me, everybody. Flesh is the enemy of the spirit. It wars against the spirit. And it manifests in a lot other ways besides just sexual inappropriate behavior. The flesh is the enemy of the spirit. Would you say that with me, everybody? Flesh. It's the enemy of the spirit. And that, what is the flesh? That's that unsubmitted area of your life that wants attention, that wants to be satisfied, that's not under the full surrender <coughs> to the lordship of Christ. And so, like me, some of you have had some bad experiences in churches like this. I understand, and it may be it, it controls your, um, your life now. I know... Uh, that you can't just let a bad experience or a couple of bad experiences ruin them all. A few, a few years ago, me and Carrie and the family, we were at Longhorn Steakhouse and we, were, we, we ordered a steak. My, my family loves steak, especially my wife. She loves steak. So we were having a great meal. I think it was after church and we were there at Longhorn and I ordered a Coke with it. And uh, we're enjoying our meal, and I'm drinking this Coke, and I got about a third of the way down, and all of a sudden, I saw something like an octopus, a hairy octopus in my glass. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you lose some weight today. <laughs> I freaked out, and I, I, I poured it out and looked in there, and there was a clump about the size, half the size of my fist of gunk that was stuck to the side of the glass that had all it, hair that it, all attached to it. And it was in my coat. <laughs> I, when I still think about it today, I mean, I, freak, I, I, I freaked out. I didn't say any bad words, but I wanted to. <laughs> the, uh, the manager comes out, uh, you know, I show, the, I show the waitress, then the manager comes out and he's got a pocket full of uh, gift cards, about $250, $300. He could have given me $1,000 worth of gift cards. I was never using it to go back to that restaurant. Because that bad experience, it, it, it ruined my desire to be in that restaurant ever again. Does it, is anybody preaching with me here? There are many people that have gone to church and they've had a bad experience in a particular church all it takes is one, and they won't go back. Some people will never go back to church, period. But that's so silly because, you know, uh, after a couple of years when I got over it, I started ordering only water so I can see what's in my glass. <laughs> right? But now I still like eating steak. It'd be like, you know, like me giving up steak because some, um, you know, kitchen crew didn't clean the dishes, so I'm giving up steak forever. Wouldn't that be miserable? So, but if people do that in the spirit or at church and use that as an excuse. I'm speaking to somebody either online. It's got to be just people online because no one of you would do that, right, everybody? But, but bad experiences should not ruin the rest of your life because you had a bad experience. Can I just preach that again, everybody? 
Because you write off the things of the Spirit because some immature person uh, was wrong when they said, God told me, or they had a wrong attitude whenever they released the prophetic. It's my job as a pastor to make sure that the, the church is fed and led and protected. And I'm trying to do that while staying open to the prophetic, which, by the way, will always have the human element involved because God has chosen to speak through fallible people. And so if that's going to happen, then we have to find the proper way to receive it, knowing that there might be an element of the, of hu the human element that we have to take into account but still hear God. I'm, I'm teaching you some good stuff, everybody. This is so important for you to get this. <clears throat> okay. So when it comes to prophetic words, I'm talking about people hearing God and speaking out what they heard for, for, a, for, for another person or for a people. There are two extremes that you must avoid. Number one is you must avoid totally dismissing it all. Anytime there's a prophetic word for some of you because you've had the gunk in your, gla in your glass, you, you automatically close your ears. Ooh, I'm not taking a drink of that, any of that. So you totally dismiss it. But then there are others that are so hungry and so desperate. God, they go chasing prophecies from one place to the next. Please tell me, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. They watch TV all day. Give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. Instead of just settling down and hearing God, God speaks to his people. You, he wants you to hear, and you can hear God for yourself. And when people give you a word, it will confirm what God's already speaking to you. Okay, so those are the two extremes. I don't want anything to do with it, or I'm going to live my life on it. There's some good ground right in the middle. Everybody, is really good ground right in the middle. And, and there must be because God promised that his church would be filled with sons and daughters who are filled with the Spirit and are prophesying, that are seeing visions, people that are, that, 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 that are, that are hearing the Word of God and, having, and dreaming dreams that are, are coming from God. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, especially prophecy. So this is one of the greater gifts that the Lord is encouraging us as New Testament saints to eagerly desire with the con within the context of love. Okay, everybody, let me give you three ways that God speaks. Now, if you're note-taking, I want you to write these down uh, real quick. Okay, the first one is God speaks through the inner voice of the Spirit. Two weeks ago, I preached on that. Uh, last week, Landon talked about the things that interfere with our ability to hear God, okay? The second way God speaks, I want you to see, is he speaks through the revelation of the scripture. And the, I, I could put the revelation slash authority of the scripture. All right, the third way God speaks is he speaks through the prophetic voice of others. Now, this is really important. I want you to see those three. There are other ways that God speaks. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through... Uh, dreams. He speaks through all kinds of different ways, but these are the three we're focusing on, okay, everybody, as we're talking about hearing the voice of God. And so it would be a lot easier to listen to God if he didn't speak through messed up people, wouldn't you say amen to that? But he chooses to speak through messed up people. He did in the Old Testament. He does today. 
And that means if you're like, well, God could never speak through me. Well, you qualify. All of us qualify. Come on, everybody. Okay. So there's so much encouragement and instruction through the book of Acts and, all, and particularly the book of 1 Corinthians that we are encouraged to prophesy. I just, I just quoted Acts 2.28, um, which is a, a, where Peter was quoting Joel 2. And, and, and he's saying that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. So let's define prophecy, everybody. Here, here's a simple definition. To prophesy simply means to hear God and repeat what you have heard to the right people at the right time. Just take a picture of that or write it down real quick because this is the simple definition of it. I'm hearing and I'm repeating. I'm hearing and I'm repeating. It's not like I'm, 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 making, I'm not making it up. This is what I heard. I'm repeating it to the right people. I'm submitting it for them to discern if I'm right. Is this God or not? Okay? That's the simple def definition. A lot of the confusion we have in the prophetic in the manifesting in the church um, a lot of the confusion happens because of the Old Testament, the office of the Old Testament prophets versus, or at least compared to the New Testament gift of prophecy that is to operate in the church. Okay, so I'm just teaching you here a little bit this morning. There was, these were different offices or these were different manifestations. In the Old Testament, there was the office of the prophet that God used particular uh, authoritative men that he would speak to and he would lead the nation through the voice that they heard. And they were so authoritative and so respected that if they prophesied something that didn't come true, they might be stoned to death. And so there was an element of authority and responsibility not to miss God. There actually were three offices in the Old Testament, the prophet, priest, and king. The prophet heard from God and spoke to the people. The priest heard from people and spoke to God on behalf of the people. And then there was the office of the king. Nobody served except Jesus in all three offices. Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. And so I want you to understand that, that none of us have that same calling as an office, but all of those, the anointing on, on the, of the prophetic and the priestly anointing, we are the priest of God, priest of God, right? Offering high praises to God. And we've been called to rule and reign over all of the, and take territory of the enemy. So because we are followers of Christ, he conquered. He was prophet, priest, and king. That's what the Messiah is. That's who the Christ is. So um, sometimes in the Old Testament, which was, it happened rarely, the spirit of prophecy would come upon non-prophets, the non-prophetic people. I'm, I'm, there, there's one instance that was very interesting that happened, and this was when, it, it happened rare, but in, in Numbers chapter 11, where Moses is, is overwhelmed with the leadership of the entire nation of Israel, and God is giving him relief. And he said, choose 70 elders, bring them before the people, and you are going to give away some of the ministry. And this is what God told them. When you bring them before them, I'm going to take some of the spirit that is on you, that anointing to lead that's on you, and I'm going to put it on them. And the scriptures are up there behind me. I'm just going to talk you through it real quick. And what happened is when he brought them out, 68 of them came out, two stayed behind in the camp, 
And, and God did that. He took the prophetic anointing that was on Moses and he gave a portion of it to them. And it says, and they prophesied. It only happened once. They didn't prophesy again, but it kind of freaked out all the people because now we got multiple prophets. And then there's some, a couple running out of the camp because he's, he's running up on and saying, hey, there's two guys prophesying in the camp. And Joshua gets angry and he's like, Moses, tell him to stop. And then what's, I find this interesting because in verse 29, Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. Now, you might not realize this, but Moses was a type of Christ and he thought in a New Testament way. And so Moses, he would be so thrilled with the day of Pentecost because the thing that was his desire actually happened. That we didn't become Old Testament prophets, but the prophetic came alive and now we have access to hear God and speak on God's behalf. And in a responsible way. Can you say amen, everybody? So the gift of prophecy is not to be used as a means of authoritative instruction, not in the New Testament. First Corinthians 14 tells us that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Nowhere in the New Testament are we encouraged to, to use the thus saith of the Lord to scold, rebuke, threaten, control, or manipulate people. You are not an Old Testament prophet. So I know some of you like to name your kids Elisha and Elijah. We got a few of them around here. But this is not the Old Testament prophets calling upon your life to scold, rebuke, and I'm sorry for calling you out, Elisha. I'm just sorry, buddy. Can you say amen, everybody? This can get so weird. Just this, just two weeks ago, I got a call from a guy that lives in a different part of the country. And he was seeking some counsel, some advice. Because he's met a woman and he feels like God wants him to marry her. He loves this girl. Some of the family members are against it. Three of the close friends of the family have given prophetic words through the family to the young man. And the words are, if he marries, you should not marry this woman. If you do, you're destined to divorce. Three different voices came to that. Now, first of all, I saw a couple of you kind of just like, what? Can, can I just say this again? I want, I want to repeat this statement. Nowhere in the New Testament are we encouraged to use, thus saith the Lord, to scold, rebuke, threaten, control, or manipulate people who are doing something you don't like them doing. And, you know, you know this level of authority that has been flaky in the church, this is why people won't come back to church. And we have to be guarded against that. And so I'm teaching you whenever you're giving a prophetic word to somebody, it needs to be filtered out, not on your wishes or desire to fix their problems or to make your life better, but you need to hear from the Lord and it should be done for encouragement. Let me get, hey, hey, prophecy, think of prophecy like an inner voice of the spirit spoken not for you, but for somebody else. Prophecy done right, it will... It will never contradict what God has put in somebody's spirit, and it won't contradict the word of God. In fact, let me give you a broader definition of prophecy, 
And then I'm just going to talk to you about the healthy environment for the prophetic, and then we'll be done with our teaching for today. Are y'all interested in this? Okay, I'm going to put this on the screen. This came out of the book that we are using, Hearing God, uh, by Nathan Finocchio, and this is a working definition. Take a look at this, everybody. He said that prophecy is, or ought to be, doctrinally correct, lovingly spoken, uniquely appropriate, and encouragingly focused words that originate from the Holy Spirit are spoken into the life of a believer by another believer and produce life-giving, Jesus-loving, biblical faith and hope. This is the purpose of the gift of prophecy manifesting in our lives. Now, later we're going to talk about the fivefold ministry, the offices of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I'm not talking about that office. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy operating in a church with every um, in every setting. Okay. If that's the definition of prophecy, how many of you think we should desire this? Th this is why the apostle Paul said, follow the way of love. Don't despise spiritual gifts and be eager to prophesy, especially prophecy. Because if you've ever gotten a word from God that was so powerful that you're like, whoa, nobody knew that. How could... It, it lets you know God knows right where you are and what is happening in your life through the prophetic. So, at Christian Life, we want to create avenues and cultivate an environment where everyone can experience the power of the prophetic. This is just the ability to hear God in the right now way. And let me give you, let me give you several of these real quick. And um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go into more detail about some of this. So, so here's number one, the healthy environment for the prophetic. Now think about the church relationships, not this church building, these four walls, but broader than that. The prophetic, the ability to hear spiritual utterances and give them in a loving way that ministers and encourages people. Number one, what creates an environment that's healthy for the prophetic is love. And I want you to see this because I'm saying that a loving church is a prophetic church. It's so interesting to me that chapters 12 and 14 of the book of Corinthians is the list and teaching of a solid teaching on the gifts of the spirit and the operation of the prophetic. And in between that, the apostle Paul gives an entire chapter devoted to ministering through love. And that's why 1 Corinthians 14.1 follows chapter 13. And it says, yes, follow the way of love. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. There was, such there was such little maturity in the church at Corinth, everybody, that the apostle Paul had to teach them. You, you, you're using these, I mean, this was the most powerfully gifted church that there was. They were so prophetic, healings, miracles. He's like, but, you, but you're so carnal and fleshly. It's possible for the spirit to operate in, messed up, in the lives of messed up people. But it doesn't mean that we should be satisfied with things that are not glorifying to Jesus. Just because there's power there. Hello, everybody? 
I mean, have you ever seen an anointing pastor minister and you knew, man, that guy's not right. But then you see, whoa, look how God's using him. It's possible because the spirit does the work. Okay, let me, let me give you a, 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 a little understanding about this because the prophetic will flourish in an atmosphere of love. If you love somebody and they are lost or struggling and they need a word from God, if you really love them, if you really love them, you'll, you'll go into prayer, you'll start fasting, you'll start praying, and you'll, you'll be listening for any prophetic words that might encourage them. And it doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord, shouted out, you know, from the front doorstep. You could just speak what God is saying. Here's number two. The, a healthy environment, there, there's vision. What I mean by this is that prophetic people love what God is doing and saying now. They're not living off of yesterday. They love hearing from God now. And there, is, there are churches that they, they have no desire to hear from God now. But we do. We want vision. What is God saying to our generation? What are we supposed to be doing this month? What is God, how is God leading us in our families now? How many of you want a now word from God? That's the prophetic that we should desire. Here's the third, and that is the atmosphere of honor. When you value what others have to impart, the prophetic is easily released. But if you're such a know-it-all that nobody can tell you anything, and you dismiss everybody, or you're only thinking your own thoughts, I'm just telling you, then you shut down the prophetic from operating. You know, people give me prophetic words all the time. You, you, know, you know why I get so many prophetic words from people? One is because I got a lot of vision. I wanna, I, I'm a, hanging around prophetic people a lot that wanna hear from God. So I wanna hear from them. What, what is God saying to them? The other thing is that I love just honoring people and their ability to hear God, and I want them to speak into my life. And so honor is so important. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, the one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous man will receive the righteous man's reward. In other words, if you are receiving, encouraging, you are pulling the prophetic out of people who know how to hear from God. Let me give you another one. It creates an, a, a safe and healthy environment. It, the, the, this is number four, bold leadership. It's one of the reasons why churches have just dismissed prophecy because of weak leadership. They're afraid to judge prophecy or they're afraid to say no or they're afraid to encourage. But what if somebody says something stupid? Well, that's okay. I don't know how many times I've said something stupid from up here. I even had to say, whoa, that was dumb. Sorry about that, everybody. God speaks through messed up people, but bold leadership realizes that and is still encouraging. How many of you realize that your vocabulary and your ability, your wisdom is much stronger now than it was 15 years ago? Thank God. So... Hearing God is all about growing. First Thessalonians 5.20, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold fast to that which is beneficial. That's how a mature person goes after the prophetic. 
Everybody, I could have just read this verse and said, y'all were dismissed. Because this is the teaching. I'm going to read it again. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Well, those people are acting weird. Well, maybe they're on fire. You know, when somebody comes on fire, they don't just sit down relaxed. If they catch on, if their hair's on fire, you know it. If they sit on something hot, you know it. If they step on something and their feet is, catches on fire, that you know it. Don't put out the Spirit's fire when he has fired people up with zeal. Hello. But, and, and don't treat prophecies with contempt. Like, I can't believe I'm not receiving that. Who are they to tell me God said? Everybody, just test everything. Hold fast to what's beneficial. You got the word. You have the anointing and the spirit inside of you. The nature of New Testament prophecy is that it should be judged. Well, the Bible says we shouldn't judge. You don't swallow everything that people serve you. Let's put it in context. You don't drink every Diet Coke that you get at the Longhorn Steakhouse without looking at it. I would advise against it. Is anybody listening to me today? So bold leadership. The reality is that prophecy flows from fallible people. So that might be sometimes where I will say, hey, can we stop shout outs? Just come. If God's given you a prophecy, submit it to me over here or to someone else. And, and tell us what you think God is hearing and let us weigh it a little bit. And if it feels right and it's confirming what we're saying and it's not going to become a disorderly, we will release it. It's like, well, who do you think that you are to be able to judge my prophet? I'm just, I'm who God called me to be. Here's the last one. Biblically sound. Prophecy must always be received and given Received and given through the lens of good theology. Okay, everybody, let's finish our teaching today on just talking about how to give a prophetic word. I, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm talking to you really at Christian life. Whether you're in a C group at the men's retreat in a couple of weeks, in a journey group, or here on a Sunday morning. If you feel like God is speaking something and you're hearing or seeing and you think it needs to be released to the congregation, the first thing that you need to ask yourself is, is this biblically sound? Am I being motivated by love? And will it encourage the hearers? That's whether you're giving a word to an individual or to a church gathering. But when you give something to an individual, I feel like God might be saying this to you. Say it with humility. Ask them to consider it and test it in their spirit. Can I just talk to you, everybody? There are a lot of times I'm meeting with people all the time, and they're asking me, Pastor, what do you think God is saying? Sometimes a prophetic word will come, and I will just say, listen, this is what I... This is what I'm hearing in my spirit. I'm just going to give this to you. I want you to pray about it. If this seems right and it's confirming something, then you receive it as a, a voice that's coming from God. Most of the time it's like, boom. Sometimes they come back later and say, you know, when you said that, it changed my life. But it was years later when it came to pass. So 
It's, it's, you know, I, you, you, I'm never going to say God told me that if you marry this person, your life's going to be a living hell and you're going to end in divorce. That's not my position and my authority to say. But I might say, hey, look, I feel a caution in my spirit. And I, I, I think you need to give this more time and y'all need to pray about this more and maybe submit this relationship to some godly counsel. You know, something like that can be so pro- profound, profoundly profound prophetic that it helps and blesses people and when you're giving releasing a prophecy in the church I mean it happened last Sunday Bill came over and he sat with me and he said I think God is saying this he submitted it to me I released it to you and let the Lord just deal with it this is the way ministry should happen to avoid confusion the loud shout out that interrupts the flow of worship and 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 teaching is, is not what I encourage. I mean, we used to do that. I understand that. But I'm just saying that to, to submit the, a prophetic word to pastors or leaders so they can weigh it, provide security and order for the rest of the congregation so we don't have some frenzied, um, crazy free-for-all. Well, any of you here, a few years ago, we had a lady that she, she made it up to the stage before we got to her. And some of you raising your hands already. And she says that she had a prophetic word. And the word was that God told her to tell you to spell out your name with sign language while you were worshiping God. Paul Sean, he had the microphone. And um, how many of you are here? Did any of y'all spell out your name like YMCA? See, see, some of you are thinking, well, I just don't think that everything should flow through pastors. And well, 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 let me just, can I read some verses to you? Because this kind of aligns with what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Remember, the church at Corinth was so crazy and immature. It's, it says this about prophecy. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh, others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Look at the next verse. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. In other words, the anointing is not going to come upon you where you are forced to speak like you, it's out of control. Okay? For God is not a God of disorder, but peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So he's talking about congregations gathering. And I'm going to put up some points here to close. Come on, come on and stand with me, everybody. I'm going to put these up. This is what the conclusion here. This is what my desire is here for us, releasing the prophetic, whether it's in a C group, a journey group, a men's retreat, or a Sunday morning. Here you're going to find a careful evaluation of a prophetic word. You should weigh it carefully. Here we want a loving preference to be given to others. I've been in meetings where people are just shouting over, on, over top of one another or contradicting other people. And so if, if you come to me and say, I feel like God wants to say this, Pastor Ron, and, and there's a couple of other people that have given a word and I feel like, you know, maybe this isn't for now. You could just be mature enough to, sh- to give a loving preference to others. 
and not get your feelings hurt and decide, I'm going to go find another church where they'll let me prophesy when I want and how I want. Here's the next thing. A prophetic instruction should always be given that is encouraging. I mean, this is from the verses I just read to you. Here's the next thing. You, here I want you to find that God expects those who prophesy to use self-control. Right? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the person that has the prophetic word. So you don't have to say it. You don't have to give it. You're not, you, not going to go to hell if you didn't give this. There have been people that have walked into this church from the street and th that, that claim to have a prophetic word for our congregation and our leaders, y'all don't even know this, but intercept them all the time and say, no, the best thing for you to do is just sit, worship with us, and you can talk to pastor afterwards. We don't just release people that have this desire to prophesy whatever they want to. And then the last one is when the prophetic word is released, it produces order and peace. It doesn't bring confusion and disturb everybody. It just brings order and peace. That's what the word... See, Paul is bringing Corinth back into alignment and say, let's get this thing in order. You can have both. You can have the spontaneous voice of the Spirit being released with right now prophetic words, but still have it done in peace and order. Everybody, can you give glory to God? In a couple of weeks, I'm going to go through a list on how do you receive a prophetic word that somebody gives to you because you don't want, like I said a minute ago, you don't want to just swallow everything somebody serves up to you. Um, but at the same time, some of you need a word from God. And, and this is why I'm so encouraging you to hear from God on your own, but also be open to receiving a word from the Lord. And everybody, be eager to prophesy. Let me say it this way. Be eager to minister to people with spontaneous words that come from the heart of the Spirit that minister encouragement, strengthening, and comfort to people. And, 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 and be willing to release it. You, you can do it without having to say, Listen, you know what? I'm the prophet of God here, everybody. And you need to listen to what I say. You can simply do it by just saying, this is what I'm sensing in my spirit, and I want to give it to you. I hope it's encouraging to you, and I release it to you. Amen? How many of you really want to hear from God? Raise your hand. Let me see. Oh, man, hands are up all over. I wonder, I wonder how many of you would be willing to release a prophetic word into somebody else's life if you heard it and you knew it was from God. A lot of hands, but not all. More hands were willing, because listen, don't be afraid of the, of the supernatural. Don't be afraid of the prophetic. We're creating an atmosphere where there's safety and protection for that. Father, I pray for the saints of God here today. Lord, we've been teaching them on the supernatural ability to hear God and encourage people, strengthen people with a prophetic word. I pray, Lord, that, they, that you would create a, an eagerness, a desire within us uh, to hear God and to minister to people for their strengthening, for their encouraging, and for their comfort. And those that, Lord, have been 
um, abused or experienced a bad experience with this, God, I just pray that you would help them just to release that and not live in the fear of the supernatural. I pray this, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, everybody, uh, just because church closes doesn't mean there's no opportunity, the ministry for you, for you on the Sunday morning. So there are lots of people that are here in the front that can minister to you. If you need prayer, if you need to get right with God, if you need to give your heart to, to the Lord, get saved like I did from a Catholic boy that never went to mass to a spirit-filled believer, we could help you with that today. And, um, and brothers, don't forget, go home, talk about your wife. Listen, it'll be the best investment you make. Get yourself to the retreat. I believe there's going to be some prophetic releases and, in, and things imparted to you, the men of this church, here in a couple of weeks. God bless you, everybody. Have a great Sunday.